So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one -on -one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu. Football is different. Football drives everything. Football is the media decision. Football is the conference decision. Football is football is football is football. And, and it needs to be treated differently. Matter of fact, many of you have said that to me, whether on Twitter, whether on YouTube in the comments, whether, whether every way you can reach us. You've said, football needs to separate. Football needs to be different. Now that we know that, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree, right? It's, it's different in so many ways. I agree that it should be treated as something other than so many of the other sports. The question I have is, now that we know that, how do you do it? Yeah. How, it, it's not that easy to just say, Okay, let's treat football like like it's its own thing and separate it from everything else. Then what is this? I dream a genie. You're just gonna like wiggle your nose and ha ha. Nod your head and you're good to go. It, it's it's more steps than that, and there's more unintended side effects, consequences mm -hmm. of of that decision. To me, there's two ways to separate football from everything else, right? And think about it like you know it, it's um, when when teams trade draft picks. I always yeah. say. Don't just think of it as like the seventh overall pick, right? Go look up who you think is going to be the seventh overall pick and mm -hmm. think of it like the player, right? You're not just trading a pick because that's fairy dust, right? That's magic beans. Look at it and say, okay, this might be, uh, uh, you know, this edge rusher from Alabama, right? Look like that specific. So, so when we have these big college sports conversations, don't just think about it as uh, a generic team XYZ. If you're if you're a state fan, think of it as state, right? If you are a a Carolina fan, think of it as Carolina. Okay, so so when I say this, you know, put your favorite team's colors on on the the jerseys in your mind's eye. There are two ways I think you can separate football from everything else. One is uh, they stay with football stays within the NCAA, stays within kind of the traditional college structure, but they're in a conference separate from everything else. Okay, so so this would be, uh, you know, Stanford and Cal join the ACC football only. Yeah, and and you you can acknowledge, all right, it makes sense that you travel all the way to California once every other year to play Stanford, but not twice a week to play them in tennis. And it does happen in other sports, mm -hmm. by the way. For example, Vanderbilt is in the American Athletic Conference for women's lacrosse. So okay. Yep. If Vanderbilt, an SEC school, can be in the American for another sport, why can't we do the same with football? I, I played in the CAA mm -hmm. uh, for football. Our big football rival was Villanova. They they do not play in the CAA for basketball because they are a national power in basketball, uh, and CAA doesn't hold many national powers. Like it, it's it happens occasionally. I think the the change would be if it happens universally, right? If the the NCAA puts out almost a, a mandate that there's no connection necessary between your football conference and your everything else conference. That's one way to do it, and there's pros and cons to that. 
The other option, and this would be the more business-driven option, would be tell the football teams to leave the NCAA. Right, they are they take their revenue with them, take their problems with them, take their uh, like first class problems with them. <laughs> right? Oh, you have to pay your players. You worry about that. All of these non-revenue sports will stay back. We won't worry about that. Right? We we we'll have rules for amateurism and academic progress and everything. You go do whatever you have to do. Be a little mini NFL if you want to. But but that's where the separate the the separation is going to happen. If you, do, if you go that way, questions arise like uh, how would the rest of college sports fund themselves, right? Like football, for better or worse, does bring in a bunch of money for a bunch of schools, and part of that money does go towards the other sports teams on campus. I don't know if that's football's fault, right? It's like, we oh, football's money won't be able to fund the, the track team or the soccer team or the, the baseball team. And it's like, okay, I, I'm not sure why it's on football to, to fund all of them. It's, it's, it's a uh, internal battle I've had like with my own thoughts often because I do value all the other sports on campus, but also I do think that, you know, it's, it shouldn't be on the football program to fund all of those. You know, maybe the school could. Could the school fund them? I That's mean, the big question. Tuition's going up and up and up. We all see those numbers. Could they could they grab a percentage of that to to fund the the athletics program? Well, a lot of people have to keep in mind when it comes to college sports is that the university, for example, there's 85 scholarship players for football, right? Mm. The athletic department has to fundraise to pay the university for those 85 scholarships. So the university's still getting their money. So it's just where the money's coming from. It's not coming from the students' pockets. It's coming from the athletic department. That that that's the cross with all sports. There was that weird thing. Uh, I started my my college career as a walk on, and then I eventually earned a scholarship. And once I was on scholarship, all the, once a year, the coaches would go around and and ask you to send a thank you note to somebody. There was some donor right that mm -hmm. endowed a scholarship, and you know there'd be if if uh, this was FCS, so I think we had sixty three scholarships. So they'd grab like forty of us, and we had to write a thank you note to whoever endowed the scholarship we got. And th there is that moment where you're thinking like, wait, this the school, what did they have to pay for this? I'm I'm in a class of twenty. Does the teacher get caught get charged more for that, mm -hmm. uh, or or uh, do they get paid more rather than when there was nineteen? Right? They just put another person in a class. Can't the school just say like that one's free? That one, the other nineteen? Yeah, just put pay. a zero in the ledger and we'll <laughs> yeah. call it we'll call it a day. Uh, but there are you're right. They do have to fundraise and find ways to to you know get endowments for those scholarships. Um, if the conferences are different, but football is still in the NCAA, and they remain part of athletics programs as a whole, how how regional are those non-football conferences, mm -hmm. right? And what does that do for, like, would there be a, a Carolina-based conference that would be, you know, the state, Carolina, Duke, Wake, ECU, Elon, uh, Charlotte, maybe Clemson, maybe maybe uh, South Carolina, right? Like, like very, yeah. very regional. And then you, you don't have to have any overnight trips. Every trip's a bus. You don't have to pay for flights, do you want the other sports to look like that? Because if baseball, or if football is traveling all across the country, and and every other sport is taking you know hour and a half day trips, is that what you're looking for? Are you willing to make those sacrifices? It's very easy to say football is a different beast, treat it differently, and then say like you get into the the bigger problems of can you treat two sports differently without making you know, the all of the others feel like the 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 castoffs.
the outside, right? You're not going to get as much. The football team will be rolling in in hundreds, and and you'll be pinching pennies. I agree. Football is a different beast. I agree. I've I've said this for a very very long time. Uh, for for you know name, image, and likeness purposes, I think the rules should be different. There's a lot of ways to tweak it, but just saying football will be different. You're going to take 80 football programs or 60 football programs or 35 football programs and put them in some super-duper ultra conference above everything else. Just know that all of the resources that that super-duper ultra conference takes are going to come from somewhere, right? They're going to take away from something else. And and that's up to you if you're willing to make those sacrifices. And I will say you know, presidents and chancellors and all that aren't going to be super jacked up about it. No. Because they're going to go, wait, wait, wait a second. You want me to rob from from the masses to give to the few? I don't know about all that. Presidents care about the academic profile of the other schools <laughs> in your conference. They, they truly do. Yeah, they truly weird, do. In a weird way. Because they want to be associated with... And this this happens across all levels, oh, like, especially 100%. Division Three is a big part of this. But... For example, the Big Ten, with the exception of Northwestern and now USC, everything is a big, massive state university. And they're right? all uh, the AAU, not like Amateur Athletic Union. There's an AAU research qualification, yeah. uh, AAU university. It's a, it's an academic and a, and a uh, research grants and all those sorts of things uh, designation. Uh, every team... Again, I, I don't know how these most recent four, but up until then, every team that was admitted to the Big Ten was an AAU research university. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska has since lost that designation, but they had it when they were included in the mm-hmm. Big Ten. That never made sense to me because has anyone ever, like, when, when I don't, I'm picking Ivy League school, like, if Columbia is playing a school or Harvard is playing a school in basketball, I've never once looked at them and go, oh, if they compete in the basketball court, they must be on level uh, – they, they must be near each other in academics. Like, Yeah, within the conference, yeah. It's, if, you rush it's for more, if you rush for more yards than Duke, you must be as, as good of an academic institution. It's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, but you're right. They do care about those sort of things, and, and maybe, that, maybe that'll come into play. Maybe it won't in, in, in conference resharing or uh, restructuring. Just know this. Everybody's throwing out there like they have a novel idea. Oh, let's separate football from everything else. That's not the novel idea, right? Everyone's having that idea all over college sports. The novel idea would be how to make it work where everybody's happy and the sacrifices aren't ruining part of college sports. If you have that answer, that's a novel idea that everybody wants to hear. Not, hey, football is different. We all know that. We've seen it for a while. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete DeRuda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial advisory group the panthers they're a talking point right a lot of new a lot of questions so so it's hard to even even think that there are under the radar right uh, an under talked about aspects of what the, uh, the the panthers are trying to do but there absolutely are 
right? It's it's sometimes it's you're missing the forest for the trees. Sometimes it's you hear all of the same questions over and over again, so you think they're the only questions. Uh, but we came up with three questions that aren't being asked about the Panthers that should be asked about the Panthers. And I'm going to start with uh, question number one that isn't being asked but should. Are there too many cooks in the kitchen on offense? Hmm. Now, we all know what that means, right? Are there there are too many uh, leaders and not enough followers? Are there too many people that think their voice should be the loudest? And do they all understand their roles? And I'm kind of looking at, at Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator on this one. Um, but let's be real. He's not the, the main guy on the offense. It's Frank Reich. Right, Frank Reich is the guy. Uh, and matter of fact, let's hear from the guy. Frank Reich talking about Thomas Brown, the OC, calling plays in camp. Just have conviction about what you call. You know what I mean? I thought he did a great job. It was came very easy to him. He's been, you know, he's been doing it the whole OTAs and training camp. You know, like when we go two minute, when we go, you know, when we do that stuff where, you know, I'm just having him call everything. You know, so um, he's doing a great. He's he's a natural. He really is. Um, very quick-minded, very, if you know Thomas, you know he's very decisive and uh, very quick-minded, and he has, and he does call his plays with conviction. So, um, you know, I think this is a great experience for him. And he should have ended it with, now don't worry about it, I got it from here. Yeah, yeah but week one, though, <laughs> That's I'm not, your guy. I mean, it, it's, it's nice that you can, but you won't get the chance to. Uh, Brown is is very interesting, a running backs coach by trade. Like, that's where he came up in, right? He he started his coaching career in 2012 uh, as far as on-field coaching, and every year except for one, he's been a running backs coach or some form of assistant head coach and running backs coach. That's not a traditional path to, to being an OC, especially not in modern football, right? Modern football, it's wide receivers coach, quarterbacks coach almost exclusively. Occasional offensive line coach. Uh, Anthony Lynn was someone that, that came up in running backs. Eventually became a head coach after doing the coordinator thing. He's back to being a running backs coach now in San Francisco. Eric Bieniemy is the other one. Jury's still kind of out on him. You want to see what he can do away from Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. Uh, but I did look it up. According to PFF coming into this year, of the 10 best offensive coordinators, uh, Detroit Ben Johnson's a, a wide receivers coach coming up. Kellen Moore, quarterbacks coach with the Chargers. Uh, Bill O'Brien in New England, he was a wide receiver and a quarterbacks coach. Saint Shane Waldron, pass game coordinator, O-line. Basically, it's just the enemy in that top 10 with running backs. So Thomas Brown is already trying to do something difficult. And then you mix in that they have Jim Caldwell as a senior offensive assistant who is very highly respected in the game. Uh, it had been well known that he wasn't planning on coming back to coaching unless it was as a head coach. And then he took a senior assistant job here. So uh, you would expect that to be very, very listened to position. Uh, Josh, Absolutely. Mc uh, yeah. Uh, Josh McCown, very recently a player, has interviewed for head coaching jobs, kind of in a, in a strange move, um, but also seems very involved in the offense. Deuce Staley, if you watched any of the, the uh, hard knock stuff from, from when he was on the Lions, he is a loud, you better listen to him style coach. Or watch Camp Confidential. Or watch, yeah, very similar. Uh, there's a there's a world where Thomas Brown is the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, and when the offensive staff gets together, he's the fourth or fifth most listened to voice in the room. 
And I, I'm not saying that as a knock on Thomas Brown, right? He's trying to find where his offensive coordinator uh, style is going to be. I'm saying that as that might be one too many loud voices in the room, right? When you talk as the coordinator, people better listen. So, uh, you know, with the offense not having a great debut, I think it's a question to ask. The second question, are the Panthers ready to, to extend Derek Brown? Because hmm. he's he, eligible. He's eligible as of this offseason, um, as of like the one that just finished offseason. Brian Burns is what everyone's looking to when it comes to dollars and cents on the defensive line. When will he sign? How much will he sign for? Should do? Are they going to have to break the bank? Will they sign? How much will Aaron Rodgers? If you watched uh, uh, Hard Knocks, went up to Brian Br- uh, Burns after one of the practices and said, "Good luck with the contract. You deserve it." Like everybody is thinking of Brian Burns in the contract, right? And some lineups right next to him is Derek Brown, and he's going, "What about me? I, I want a couple dozen million, couple couple sixty, seventy million, eighty million. How about that?" The questions have all been about Brian Burns, but guess what? Uh, Derek Brown, according to PFF, ranked as the seventh best interior defender of the 2022 season. That's pretty good. Spotrack, who does all of the analytics behind contracts, has uh, Brown's market value as four years, $70 million. That's right. a lot of money. Right now. That's the, <laughs> you know, the stock market of it all. Yeah. If he plays well this year, the price is only going to go up. Even if he plays the exact same, the defensive tackle market is just going up. So you have to at least explore it, right? You have to at least explore signing Derrick Brown. Yes, take care of Brian Burns, but explore signing Derrick Brown. I think he's proven that he is a uh, a starting caliber, give him a bunch of reps, defensive tackle. Now, is he elite elite or is he just very good? I don't know if you want to find that out before you you sign him. To keep it here locally, Dexter Lawrence, who's from Wake mm-hmm. Forest High School, right here in Wake County, he signed a four-year, $90 million extension with $60 million guaranteed this offseason. Now, that's I think that's even been surpassed since. So, yep. okay, now it's like there's your there's Jeffrey your Simmons bar. signed for a bunch. The defensive tackles are getting paid. Yeah. And if Derek Brown turns into a, a, a big season or even just a, a similar to last year, maybe a little bit better, He's not going to want less than those guys. Question number three for the Panthers that should be asked but isn't being asked. Why does Jeremy Chin come off the field? He played eight of the 13 snaps that the starting defense played in preseason game one. Now, I wouldn't put too much stock into that if uh, Von Bell, Xavier Woods, Shaq Thompson, J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson all did not come off the field at all when the starters were out there. So of the secondary, Jeremy Chin is going to be the guy that that comes off the field when they aren't in nickel seemingly every time. And I think I'm high on Jeremy Chin, man. Oh, likewise. I love his versatility. Versatility to me normally says you don't have to come off the field because you you have a a role and a a skill set that fits more situations. I understand Right, defense is it's not like he's a you know the left guard. He's he's not gonna break uh Joe Thomas just went into the Hall of Fame and he played like ten thousand five hundred snaps consecutively. Like defense doesn't work that way. I get it. But I want him playing most of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Why would he come off the field when I think he's one of the playmakers that can bring something different to your defense that everybody else doesn't doesn't have? And that's not saying I, I disrespect the other guys. 
I think you know the secondary is something I'm confident in. I just think you got to find a way to keep him out there as much as you possibly can, and I hope they do. Those are the three questions that the Carolina Panthers are not having asked about them that I think they should. Hopefully, they have answers. <laughs> right? Not just questions. They need them. Don't just be a question guy. Be be an answers guy. Don't just be a problems guy. Be a solutions guy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.